0: Praise be Jesus Christ. Praise Slava, Jesus Christ. Please be seated. So today is the 25th Sunday after Pentecost, and we are also commemorating the feast of St. Philip the Apostle, who was the Apostle to Ethiopia. And, of course, Ethiopia, there's a great Coptic church. This church was founded by the Desert Fathers, they tell us. And recently, their Holy Father went there to visit them. They have their own pope, but there are a handful of Catholics there. Um, And they are very much persecuted. So we pray for our persecuted brother. Secondly, we start now tomorrow the Philippian fast. It's called Philippian because it starts on the Feast of Philip. And uh, tomorrow is a strict fast day, the first day of the fast. And in the monastery, we do not eat meat. Or dairy products during this fast because Petrus recommends that we keep this fast solemnly, strictly. However, there is a mitigation of the fast for the Feast of St. Nicholas and for Thanksgiving here in America. So what does it mean for you? You're not monks, but you should Observe the fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. And of course, not on the feast days. And of course, you should observe the fast on Christmas Eve. Very important. If you want to keep the monastic fast, I recommend it to you. But that's your business. But do keep the minimal fast and they saw the angels ascending and descending on Jesus. In the name the of Father, of Son, of Holy Spirit. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus is our savior and he's incarnate and he's our God. And he's the second person of the Blessed Trinity. What I want to talk to you about is fasting. All of us have passions. And we're inclined to give in to them. Because of original sin, we are weak. But God wants us to live a disciplined life. He wants us to be pure and holy, like the ladder to heaven, Jesus Christ. Who are we to model our spirituality after? Jesus Christ. He became a human being, not only for our salvation by his death and resurrection, but also to give us example of how to live the Christian life. And he did it very explicitly. So during these next 40 days, you should make your home especially a place of prayer and spiritual reading, and looking at, especially, the New Testament. And when you see the references to the New Testament, in the New Testament, to the Old Testament, look them up and read everything. And maybe such a Bible study would be good for your children. So maybe it can be a family Bible study after your evening meal, that would be very nice, very hopeful for all of us. People say to you, to us, well, do we have to fast? And I regret to say that fasting has decreased since the time of the early church, the apostolic church, when people fasted the majority of the year not Saturday or Sunday, but most of the days of the week, because they learned from the apostolic church they wanted to be close to God. And of course, what drives God away from us is sin. And our friend in this is Satan, the evil one. He would like us to give in to our passions and eventually even forget God. And our whole civilization just about is of that mind that we live in. So we have problems. But you were made for better. You were made for the love of God. And He sent His only begotten Son for your salvation. And what did He do? He prayed and fasted and died on the cross and shed his blood for you. And the Father sent him as a love gift to do these things and bring us back to what we should be. Now, we have this opportunity four times a year. We have the Philippian fast. We have the two weeks before Dormition, the Mother of God. We have the Great Lenten fast. And we have the Peter and Paul fast. Every season of the year has a fast. And even these little fasts have been neglected and even forgotten. They do that by saying, well, everything's optional. Well, so is going to hell optional. It's your option. But Jesus did not say that. Seems like if we don't make the water down our faith, then nobody can keep it. That's not right. The more you observe your faith, the teachings of the Lord, and the knowledge of the liturgy and the ascetical life, the closer you're going to go to Jesus Christ, and he's going to take you on the ladder to heaven. There's Jacob's ladder. He wrestled with God, and he came away with a bum leg to remind him that he should not have wrestled with God. He should do God's will. He should climb the ladder. Where does the ladder bring us to heaven? Jesus climbed the ladder with the angels and entered heaven. Body, soul, resurrected, glorified. Why did he go there? To set the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, and to make a place for us. To make sure we know our home I think we are confused. I think we forgot why we're on the Earth. I think we forgot that we're here to be Christians. We were first called Christians in Antioch. Antioch is a splendid place. It's not, it doesn't exist anymore. It's been destroyed. But, you know, people like John the Evangelist, Procopius, the early fathers. Chrysostom was born in Antioch. It's a great city. All the early patriarchates developed out of Antioch, the Melchites, all these people. It disappeared because of greed, forgetting the Lord, Maybe we should go back, a group of us, and rebuild Antioch and make it a queen city of Christianity. Jerusalem is abused. Rome was never really a Christian city. Byzantine was. And what did we do with that? The Crusaders eventually destroyed it. Why do we destroy the most things we love? Why do we destroy what we love? Young couples get married and they say they are in love. I don't think they're in love at all. I think they're fatuated with each other. And God wants that because he wants the family And he wants children. He wants you to populate the church. But they have some romantic notions, and then they decide they're not unhappy, and they destroy that union God had created. Who told you you were supposed to be happy in marriage? You're supposed to be dedicated to God in marriage, like the priest is dedicated to church are like the monks who dedicated to their monastic life. It's not because they're hilariously happy. It's because they've made a commitment to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they have to set an example for their neighbors of Christian living. Don't you have the same obligation? People sometimes do not like Catholics. I can't understand that. I've been, I'm a cradle Catholic. Everybody in my life was Catholic. Except for a few people that married in. Except for one, I was very, never really popular with me. As so far as I was concerned, if you weren't Catholic, you were nothing. They didn't receive the Eucharist. What, what kind of life is that? Why'd they get married? Why'd they marry my aunts? To bring them to destruction? Were they so desperate that they had to marry these men who were so called Christians, but not really Christians, not Catholics? How much do we compromise with the world with our faith? So a nurse came to see me in the hospital. She worked in Yonkers General Hospital. A terrible thing happened in her presence. A doctor delivered a baby, perfectly okay, and put it in the freezer. Murder. She ran to the priest, me. She said, what can I do? I said, quit your job. Go away from that place. It's an evil place. It's of the devil. Are we to cooperate with the Ten Commandments and Beatitudes, with the plan, the road that Jesus has provided for us? Are we all to be making our own decisions and doing what we want. And unfortunately, you're taught that in our degraded schools. Our reason for being on the earth. The reason Jesus Christ made you, brought you into this world, and calls you to the heavenly kingdom is to make you happy and do his will. Is doing his will always easy? No was the best choice. I was one time building one of the churches here in the Northwest, and I was driven to build churches. I had, that was a dream, to open our Byzantine churches with their wealth of spirituality, liturgy, and understanding of the revelation of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a truly Trinitine church. I had not a lot of money. I bought our first church. Needed a lot of work. I tried to employ the lay people to help. So we're standing outside the doors of the church and we're putting in a septic system. We dug the hole, and somebody got a big tractor and dug it with the front thing on it, you know, cup or do you call it. Got that in, we got the, had the directions how to put down the pipes and cover them so they wouldn't fill with dirt. And the inspector showed up there were two men helping me. and I was young then, I could do that work. Can't do it now. And um, these two men got in a fight with each other. The inspector shows up, and there I am, and he's looking at me with pity in his eyes. I w- my eyes were my not my lips and my eyes were saying, how am I going to do this? And the inspector's here. He says, Father, cover it. In other words, it wasn't perfect, but he let it pass. Cover it. So I got a couple of men, and we covered it. It's still fine to this day. Very heart-rendering. The devil made those two men fight, but God sent me a savior and an understanding inspector. That's hard to find these days. It was very difficult to build this building, this holy temple. Find a couple times, all sorts of things. Cost money. Got to get the money together. Many people helped us. There's many good people. But there is an enemy against you. Now, how do you deal with the enemy? You're tempted. On your knees in prayer and fast. Prayer and fasting go together. It's the only way to control ourselves. We're used to doing eating or whatever we want. I've never gone hungry. I have fasted. Maybe I could fast more. God is very good to me. He sees I'm trying to do his will. Sure, I have to go to confession occasionally. Sure, sometimes I say, Abrupt things to the monks, but I try to remember to ask for forgiveness within an hour, within the day. So they do not become discouraged. They are loving people, these monks. They're beautiful people. And so are you. And you want to be loved more than anything else. But the greatest lover is Jesus Christ. And he knows your situation. And he gave you the example of the way by prayer and fasting. And you can look in the Bible and find, I think it's in Acts, where we call the followers of the way. Whose way are we following? Satan's? the world, or are we a followers of Jesus Christ? Are we following him when we're tempta- in temptation to reject the temptations? Are we following him so much that we pray and fast? Are we following that even we get along with the difficult people in our own family? Are we following that we pray for them? Are we willing to die on the cross for the salvation of the souls of our mother, our father, our brothers and sisters, our children, our monks? None of those things will be accomplished without the pain of love and fasting. One time, I was driving down the road in uh, Spokane. I saw this man, and he was painting a huge billboard, a huge thing. And he was sitting on a little bosun seat and hanging from a rope. And he's got his brush there and he's painting this thing. That one little, you know, slip with that rope and he fell on the ground and died. The the one I thought to myself was, I wonder if his children know what he does to put bread and butter on the table. I wonder if they really appreciate their father. The mother knows. How much that she appreciate the husband? At any moment, he could be a pancake on the surface of the earth he fell that space, and one employer asked him to do that. In Seattle, they have big buildings. People go out and wash the windows on the outside, and do other things on the outside of the building. Every once in a while, one falls to the earth and dies. I wonder if they're appreciated. You have to tell your parents you appreciate them, especially by your behavior and not being so selfish thinking about yourself all the time. Sure, I want salvation. Sure, I want to go, go to heaven, but I cannot do that unless my will and the will of God are one. I have to die to myself. Sometimes, you know, love is funny between a man and a woman. And they tell each other crazy things. And one of the things they say, I'll die without you. I doubt it. But they have this big emotional upset. I wonder if they say to Jesus Christ, I will die without you. Well, he's going to take care of me. He is, but you have to cooperate. Years go. At Holy Trinity in Yonkers, I was the parochial vicar there for a couple of years before I went into the military. And the Monsignor there was very good to me. He was a very prayerful man. Good example for me. He taught me well the administration of a parish. And anyway, he worked very hard. He was up in years. I'd see him climbing ladders and painting and doing things he should not be doing just to save some money for the church. In that church, I met a couple, probably the only time in my life that I know, who were married 75 years. And they had, I think, I don't know how many children, and grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. But when I celebrated the Divine Liturgy for their marriage and thanksgiving to God, the church was full of their descendants. Why did they attract me was that uh, not because they were old and married, because she had lost one of her legs. So I went one day, I said to him, and he would carry her, help her to come to the altar to receive Holy Communion. And I went down one day before liturgy and I said, I can come down and bring her Holy Communion. He says, no, Father, I can carry her up. She can receive communion and so can I. Love. Love. But be careful what you think love is. It calls for self-sacrifice, dedication, and deep faith. You must walk the way of Jesus Christ, pick up his cross, follow him, and love him like your heart was breaking. These two older people celebrated their love because they loved Jesus Christ And I said, well, was it easy? They said to me, it was actually terribly difficult. Many things went wrong. Many times there was difficulty. We held on to our Lord and each other, and now we're here at 75 years of marriage. That's like a page from the gospel. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.